Right. Well, seeing as I haven't been here for two weeks, I'm looking around and there's some new faces here. So God bless you, those of you who are visiting with us. Uh, my name's Tom. And uh, with my amazing wife, we have the honor, and, the honor and the privilege of serving as pastors here. And uh, if this is your first time here at Elam Christian Center Blenheim, you couldn't have picked a better Sunday to be here. I'm about to launch into a three-week series, a vision series for the year. Um, and so if you've been in this church for any length of time, I want to tell you right now that the vision hasn't changed. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to unpack it a little bit more over the next three weeks. So I want to, uh, this, this series um, is called The Call. And uh, I asked this question, what does it mean to receive a calling in life? And so I went to, um, apart from my Bible, I went to where everyone else goes, and I went to Google, and instantly was overwhelmed, because I typed in, what does it mean to receive a call, and Google gave me 6,930 million results, and I thought, that's not helpful, but Google also distilled all of those results down into one statement that says this, a calling... Uh, but would not put a name to it. <laughs> so, in essence, Google told the truth, but not the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Google would be found guilty in a court of law. Um, while the, they, Google used the phrase higher power, I am convinced and I believe, as a Christian, that this higher power literally does have a name. The name that is above every other name, the name is the creator of the heavens and the earth. His name is El Elohim. If you're thinking Hebrew, or God Almighty, translated into the English, also stands for the God of creation. Now, God has many, many names, El Shaddai, Yahweh, Jehovah, um, all of them pointing to the fact that he is the sovereign, sovereign, sovereign Lord of the heavens and the earth. And why am I convinced that it is he who gives us a calling? Well, I'm glad you asked. We'll go right back to the beginning of the book. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So not only is humanity given life from God and given hope through his son, Jesus Christ, but humanity from the get-go was given purpose and was given a call. And so the first message for this three-part series is literally called this, Made on Purpose for a Purpose. So come on, let's pray before we go any further into the Word this morning. Father, I thank you for the goodness and the grace and the mercy that exudes from you. Lord, it, from your living Word, the Bible is an old book, but it's more than an old book. It is a living document. It is a living guide for life. And so, Holy Spirit... When I read the Bible, it says you are the spirit of revelation and truth. And so this is what I'm asking this morning. That Number one, that I don't get in the way of your truth getting into our hearts. Number two, that your word would sink in deep. Lord, we wouldn't just get into your word, but your word would get into us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Hey, just want to pause and welcome everyone who's joining us online this morning from whatever town, city, or nation you're joining us from. God bless you. And uh, may what I share with you this morning be as relevant for you where you are as it is going to be for us here. So good on you. Thank you for joining us. You know, I believe that God himself is the one who places this call on our lives, like I was saying, but he doesn't just place the call on our lives. He actually weaves it into our very fiber. If you read in, uh, I think it's the book of Ecclesiastes, it literally says that God has planted eternity into the hearts of men. And so when you, think of, when you think of all the different faiths around the world, I'm actually convinced that every faith is genuine in their pursuit to find again the connection that humanity once had right at the beginning of the Bible between the creator and the creation or the created. And so there is this spiritual yearning within every single created being on planet Earth and humanity that is looking for their purpose is looking for their reason for being alive. And there's only one person that can actually give that, and that's the person that gave us that purpose at the beginning. His name is God. But when, you, when we unpack this, God actually puts three calls on us. Here's the first one. The first call is this. He calls us to himself. This call is to a relationship. This call is to restore what humanity and God had right at the beginning. When, when God and, and his created being, Adam and Eve, would, they would meet and they would talk and they would commune and they had relationship. God is calling humanity back to himself. That's the first one. And that comes through salvation and through the forgiveness of our sins because of the death of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. That sacrificial death on the cross That death paid the price, the penalty price, for our sin. And it made, it has the ability. Now, I'm going to say, I just want to say this. It has the ability to make us completely whole, spirit, soul, and body. There is a key factor here. We have to be engaged. When Jesus died on the cross and took the penalty of sin upon himself for the sin of humanity, it made a way possible for us. But God is such a gentleman. He said, this is the way to wholeness. And he steps back and he said, I'm going to give you the freedom to choose whether you want it or not. This call back to himself is not just a call on the church. It's actually not, it's not just a call on our families, and it's not just a national or a global call. It is a call upon all of humanity down throughout time. So his first call is called to himself. The second one is this. He calls us to consecration. Now, that's a big old-fashioned word. It's not a word that is used much these days, but it means this, to live a life set apart, to live a life of dedication The Bible in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. God's not just calling us to himself. He's calling us to a life of consecration. He's calling us to a life of being dedicated to him. He's calling the created back to the creator. In actual fact, in the Bible, it says that all of creation is groaning, waiting for that day where we get it. (laughs) <laughs> you could almost see the trees going, would you hurry up? 
So he calls us to himself. He calls us to concentration. And the third call is this. He calls us to serve him. See, God isn't, you know, you know that, that old picture of sitting on a cloud with a harp and a set of wings on your back? Eh, uh, that would be eternally boring. Well, maybe not. I mean, the angels have sung holy, holy, holy for all of eternity, haven't they? I guess there's different facets to it. But, you know, many people, when they think of the word of serve, the phrase of serving God, the concept of what that means is all kind of messed up in their heads. For years and years, people have thought, that if I'm to serve God, then you have to do what I do. You have to work full-time in the church, or you have to be like a full-time missionary in a foreign nation. I'm, I, over the next three weeks, I want to totally and utterly destroy that hamburger. Okay, we're going to kill a few sacred cows over the next three weeks. To be called to serve God could mean that you're going to be a pastor, or a minister, or a vicar, or a priest. It could mean that you're going to be a missionary out, out in some foreign country. But did you know the statistics indicate that out of all believers, only 5% end up doing what I do as a pastor? So what's the other 95% of you supposed to do? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> We're going to look into that over these next three weeks. Put it simply, it means this, to, to be called to him to be called to concentration, concentrate, concentration, consecration, um, and called to serve him, it means this, to acknowledge him and obey him according to his word in whatever you do and wherever you do it. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 from the Passion Translation says this, put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do. Now, we could stop and we could get a big whiteboard and we could fill it up with all the different activities. And I'm sure it would challenge people like, you know, I mean, what, does sailing a yacht, is that an activity that I can put my heart and soul in? Of course you can. Is it something that you can do towards the Lord? Oh, my goodness, yes, you can. If you are a sailor here this morning... I mean, if, you, if you're a believer in a sailor, how many of you have ever wondered about the, the, the story in the Bible where God got up or Jesus got up and commanded the wind and the waves to be still? You know, I mean, if you're a sailor, you get out in the elements. And last, last Saturday, I was on the top of a mountain up above the clouds, um, just like, firstly, I had my mouth open because I actually made it. Secondly, it was just like, Oh, God, I'm, I'm up the mountain. And thirdly, I said, God, it, it, it hurts so much getting up here. Please don't give me two stone tablets to carry down. Because <laughs> I simply couldn't do it. We must get to know the word of God and apply it daily to every phase of our lives. We must make it our purpose in our life to do the will of God, which is revealed in Scripture. You know what? When you get this, I, I'm, what I'm teaching you over these next three weeks is essentially my story. When we get this, when I got this, it literally changed my life. Literally changed my life in the most remarkable way. Uh, in a way that I could never, I mean, it was literally like the clouds parted in my thinking and the day was glorious. When I realized that what I was doing at that time, I was serving in the military. I think it was about year four year 15 or year 16 out of 20 years service 
And I was grizzling and I was groaning to God. And I was like, oh, I want to get out of here. And I mean, it was a really bad attitude. Eh? I mean, and, uh, I, I knew what God had called me to do, which is this, but it wasn't happening in my timeline. And I was getting grumpy with God. And um, my, my pastor, who I had the honor of taking over from here, Pastor Russell Ballantyne, sat me down just over there. And he said, Tom, you need to get something. And you need to change your confession. You need, to, you need to get to a place where you will tell God you will serve him wherever for how long. And you know, that's the closest I ever felt to Wiley Coyote. Because inside me, I saw myself falling off a cliff going, and the anvil falling on me. But then the day I got it, honestly, it was like something just lifted off my soul and what I was doing became the best job I could be doing at that time in my entire life. And I was prepared to do it until. Because I realized that where I was at that moment was where God wanted me at that moment. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Honestly, if people are looking for anything these days, it's a hope in its future. So I, you know, I've, I've been carrying this series for months now, knowing that I was going to be preaching this at the beginning of this year. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, I wait on the, on, on the Lord for a specific word for me for each year. And I was sharing with the church that I believe the word God has given me for 2023 is the word see, S-E-E. And I'm really quite stirred up about it because if we can see the truth of what God has done, if we can see what he has said and he has called us to, then our lives will never, ever be the same again. So my aim over these next three weeks is to help you see that God has placed a call on you. He's placed a call on you to serve him personally. He's placed a call on you to serve him out in your world. And he's placed a call on you to serve him here in the church, not as pastors, but as disciples, as brothers and sisters being involved in helping disciple each other. He calls us to himself. He calls us to be consecrated to him. He calls us to his purposes. And so right at the get-go, I want you to understand this. The pursuit of a fulfilled life-giving call begins and ends with God. Literally begins and ends with God. Which is interesting because he calls himself the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Right now, we're seeing a crisis in humanity. And we just got to, I just won't even unpack some of the stuff that I've seen over the last week and talked about, had conversations with. But I can, I, I can tell you this, the veil between just pure evil and pure light is getting thinner and thinner. And there is this crisis of humanity throughout the world. But I believe that that crisis won't be fully and completely addressed until the church that's us, Jesus' own followers, until we see the truth of who he is for our own personal lives. And when we see that, we'll realize what he's called us to do and who he's called us to be. 
And then when we get that, when we see that, then this statement, our vision statement, which is up on our auditorium wall, bringing the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into our world, that will start to burn in you hotter than a nuclear reactor. It will become a precious and a powerful thing that you hold dearly and wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, and wholly, H-O-L-Y. Regardless of where you are or who you are, where you're from or where you're going, whether you work in education, whether you lead a nonprofit, whether you head up a corporation, whether you are a student or a teacher, a stay-at-home mum or a stay-at-home dad, whether you're a mechanic, a musician, an MP or a GP, who cares? It doesn't matter. It is essential that you see that what you are doing carries importance. It is valuable. It is blessed of God. It is called of God. And if we will only see that when we recognize that, recognize what God has called us to do, it will change our lives. How you see what you do is mission critical. As a Jesus follower, you represent something and someone way bigger than yourself. And what you do and how you do it literally can affect the eternity of your person on the left and the person on your right. Jesus gives us the best picture of how believers should live. He brought life, hope, and purpose to people during his time on earth. And you know what? He continues to do so today. But you know how he does that? He does it through you and me. This is not rocket science. But it makes sense that we as believers should focus on doing what Jesus did. Almost sounds too easy, doesn't it? You know, Jesus was a carpenter before he was a rabbi. He was a tradie. God bless our tradies. Any tradies in the house? Come on, let's love on our tradies. Come on. We love our tradies. I want to ask you a question. What if, what if your greatest legacy was the people that found life, hope, and purpose of Jesus through your influence? I can't remember the exact specifics or the, the name of the pastor. But one person that got saved under his ministry was Billy Graham. Now, the, Billy Graham's pastor, he did, not see the, he did not see the hundreds and thousands of million people get saved under his ministry. But under his ministry, Billy Graham gave his life to the Lord. And if you know Billy Graham or know of his story, I don't think there's a nation in the world that hasn't been touched by his ministry through the Jesus Christ. What if your greatest legacy was someone that found life, hope, and purpose, someone who found Jesus because of your influence? Amen. As a partner with God to become a life-carrying influence, we need to learn to operate out of our truest self. And if you can't operate out of your truest self unless you know what God says about you. You can only give life to others when it's flowing from an authentic place of self within you. And that requires us all to see what we do as Jesus sees it, blessed and anointed. 
can it be anointed if I have to stare down someone's open mouth and pick decay out every day? Well, for a start, you're helping them have a mouth that's not sore. (laughs) But you're ministering. What did Jesus do? He helped the sick. Think of a person, uh, look at it this way. Think of a person whose influence has affected you by literally sucking your life vitality away. And I I don't mean your physical life, but your inner vitality. You know, I'm referring to the type of person who drains you of your time, your energy, and spiritual well-being. I'm look. You know, we don't dwell on this, but we we all have had people like that in our lives. You know what? We're called to be the exact opposite. We're called to be the exact opposite. If you are in an office situation where that is the predominant atmosphere, then guess what? Through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to change that atmosphere. The scriptures teach us that we are the living temple of the Holy Spirit, that we carry the power of heaven within us. When Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior, and we don't just believe it in our hearts, but we confess it with our mouth, that the Holy Spirit has changed us from within. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we can go and we can change atmospheres. And we can bring a word of comfort. We can bring a word of healing. We can bring a word of direction. We can bring a word of hope. We can bring a word of life. We can bring a word of purpose. We can put a hand on the shoulder of someone who's crushed under the weight of life. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, their lives can be transformed, not through you, but because you are a vessel for the living power of God to flow through. Let's live and believe and serve as if people's very lives depend on our influence. Because they do. Not to put a really heavy load on you at all, but I mean, come on, when you think about that, that the very power of heaven, the hope, the hope that Jesus gives us for eternity, why would we keep it for ourselves? How selfish. Let's pour life into others. Let's pour hope into others. Let's speak. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us something for them, a word of knowledge, a prophetic word. You don't have to get all ooky spooky and super spiro and swing from the rafters before, thus saith the Lord. They go, take your medication and leave. But you can come up to them and say, you know what? You've just been really on my heart. You don't necessarily need to say, look, I've been praying for you and God told me to tell you this because they're going to go, if they're, not, if they're not someone who believes. But you can go up to them and you can say, you know what, you just, I've been thinking about work and, man, you've been on my mind. I just, I, I don't know. I just, I, this, is what, this is what came to my mind as I was thinking about work and thinking about you, that I kind of, I don't really know you, but I see this, this, and this. And I just want to tell you that actually there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope for you. Actually, I, I actually, you know what? I just want to, I just want to say to you. Actually, I believe that there's this purpose and this purpose for you. I've done that. I've done that over people's lives, and they just sort of stand there, and their eyes get wider and wider. And you think, okay, and then they stop and they go, "How did you know that?" It's what God does. Every single living person on the face of the planet is important to Him. There is no greater pursuit for our faith walk than to see the kingdom of God first and to seek the kingdom of God first. 
And then because of that, our influence goes out into the world. What if your greatest legacy was the people that found the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus for their own lives through your influence? Wow. You know what? When we do this, when we walk out in the full knowledge that God has anointed and blessed and called us to wherever we are, He backs us. He backs us. The Holy Spirit anoints us. And it will be the most fulfilling adventure of your life. People are worth your best. Perhaps you might need to answer this question this morning. Do I believe others' lives depend on the godly influence that I can be? It's a tough question. Do I actually believe that others' lives depend on the godly influence I can be? Well, if we're looking at this from an eternal point of view, then the answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. I've got time. I want to tell you a wee story. One of my best, longest friends, he was a groomsman at my wedding. Um, he's not a believer. I'm a believer. I would stay at his place in the weekends. He would stay at my place in the weekends. We were as close as brothers. But we had this understanding. Tom, when I stay with you, I'm going to come to church with you. When you stay with me, you're not going to church. <laughs> um, and you'll never talk to me about God. But I'll come to church with your family because I'm family and we're staying, I'm staying with your family. I'll come to church with you. Anyway, life went on. College went on. We were almost, well, we, no, I'd left school. I joined the Air Force. I bought my first car. And um, I bought it, owned it eight weeks, flipped it, wrote it off. Um, and uh, in that point, we're driving down the road. His name's Trev. And I knew we were going to crash. And I said, Trev? He goes, yep. I said, I'm going to wreck the car. He goes, yep. We hit a bank, we flipped up in the air, the car spun, bounced off the roof, I've still got the scar on my head, bounced, flipped back up onto the wheels, and we're sitting there teetering on the front and the back wheel. I look, I said, Trev, we've wrecked the car. He goes, yep. Man, a few words. Anyway, a little bit later, Trev moved to the UK, and I had this moment where I went, if I actually don't tell my best mate about Jesus, and if we died in that crash together... We'd have stood before God and he would have been 100% justified in looking at me going, you never told me. Because I would have gone to heaven and he would have gone to hell. It was a weighty moment. So I changed that and I wrote him a letter and he was very angry with me. <laughs> very angry with me. He wrote me a letter back from the UK and uh, read me my lineage and my breeding in the letter. And I thought, that's it. I've lost my best mate. And then I turned the page and he said, I'm getting married on this date. Would you be my best man? <laughs> that's a good friend. I want to give you five scriptures this morning that I want you to take and I want you to marinate in them. I want you to soak in them and I want you to let the truth of these scriptures change you from the inside out because these five scriptures are essentially the foundation of where we're going for the next three weeks. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, this message is called you are made on purpose for a purpose, this scripture says it. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You have been made on purpose for a purpose. Here's the next one. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. After that, Jesus said to his followers, you have to go out to everywhere in the world and tell everybody the good news about me. We've been tasked, we've been commissioned, and we've been sent. Here's number three. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, or all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is a journey of walking alongside people. This is a journey of not just sowing a seed, but nurturing the seed and caring for the seed. And when that seed germinates, helping that plant grow to use a horticultural example. And here's the next one. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That verse 16, that verse 16 is right there. That's like, do whatever you're doing, wherever you're doing it, with all your heart as if you're working unto the Lord. Why? Because then when people see what you do, they're going to go, that's different. Why is that different? And when they find out, they'll give God glory in heaven. It's a personal responsibility and a personal availability. And then here we go, John 17, verse 4. Worship team, would you please come? I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That there was Jesus speaking to his Father. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I want to put this out to you, believer. If... if, if if you're not a Christian this morning and you've come along, then you know, God bless you, bless you for coming. Um, and you know, anyone in this house who's a believer can answer your questions. <laughs> Maybe not. I'm just being really naughty there. But actually, the pursuit of a fulfilled life-given call begins and ends with God. I wonder how many of us are going to stand before God and when He asks us this: What did you do with what I gave you to do? I wonder if we'll be able to answer it the same way. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So this morning, I hope you have caught the fact that we have made on purpose for a purpose. Next week, part two, we're going to be looking at that scripture. It says, go into all the world. Because God has called us to bring the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into our worlds. And in this auditorium, there are so many different worlds. There are so many different places and spheres of influence that God has called us to serve into.